Singletary, 48-yard field goal attempt. Set to go, snap, ball down, kick up, kick is on the way, and it is Hello, everyone. Welcome in to the first ever Titletown Sports Podcast. That is right. Ladies, gentlemen, if you're hearing my voice right now, that means you are a part of a significant moment in the history of sports podcasting. Uh, That's not true. Well, what you're going to find here on the show is uh, two of the most uh, sarcastic, uh, dyed-in-the-wool New England sports a-holes you may ever find, uh, and we're going to sit down once a week and talk about uh, we're going to talk about sports and how even in an age of unprecedented regional sports prosperity, we're still you know pissed off for some reason or another. Uh, this is also the first ever podcast produced and engineered. Uh, by and at Revival House Studios, and it is the first uh, of hopefully many forays into the realm of uh, lovely and beautiful podcasting. I'm your host. My name is Craig Stanton. Now, normally I'm going to be joined by my co-host, Melissa Clark. Uh, She is already dipping into her sick time here on the show by missing out on episode one. (laughs) Um, Reason being, she's probably up to her eyebrows right now in a freaking vodka tonic uh, on Cape Cod. But she was kind enough to leave us a little voicemail, so let's hear from Clarky real quick. Hey, Greg, it's Melissa. Just wanted to say sorry I can't be there for our first show, but I'm doing the most massful thing ever and uh, finishing off the summer down on the Cape. A couple things about me. I talk fast. I swear a lot. Um, and I drop a lot of R's, so hopefully we can keep up with each other as we go through this process. Uh, Growing up in Boston, I was raised to love my Boston sports teams, but of course to yell at the TV whenever I thought I knew best. Um, And I just want to wish you luck tonight and let everyone know that if this doesn't go well, I wasn't there, so I can't be held responsible. Uh, So good luck and I'll see you next week. Thank you, Melissa. Always very encouraging. Appreciate it. See you next week. Now, uh, before we get into it, uh, let's talk a little bit about what to expect here on Titletown. Like I said before, uh, we're going to be sitting down weekly and talking Boston sports. And for the first bunch of episodes, we're going to be focusing exclusively on Patriots football. Uh, Hopefully soon, we'll be covering all four local teams. But in the meantime, we are wall-to-wall Pats uh, as they are about to kick off the 2017 season. We're going to be joined every week by some great guests uh, from writers and bloggers to TV and radio folks. We're going to make sure that we've actually got some people who know what they're talking about here on the show. So you won't have to listen to Melissa and I blathering on uh, each week. We wouldn't do that to you. This week, we've got Kevin Duffy. Uh, He's from MassLive.com. We are super excited to have him join us and get things going in our first ever episode. Uh, and the last thing to know is that, uh, you know, even though Clarky and I could easily go on for hours, even without microphones in front of our faces, we're going to try and keep the grab ass into a minimum on the show here. You can expect 30 to 40 minute episodes each week. Nice tight package for you so we can all move on with our lives and get some hot 
sports takes in while we're still breathing. Uh, and that's Titletown. We hope you enjoy. Okay, so each week on the show here, we're going to start the episode off with some opening takes, some opening thoughts, and uh, since we've got no Melissa today, you're just going to hear from me, and then we're going to get right to our uh, wonderful guest, Kevin Duffy. Uh, My opening take pertains to one uh, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. That is our quarterback, if you don't know, and I am of the belief that uh, this will be the last season we see Brady in a Patriots uniform. Now I know it's a it's a risky move opening up the show with some straight up uh, straight up Patriots blasphemy like that, but it's what I believe. It's what I really believe, and uh, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm rooting for it. But it's my prediction, and I've got I've got some reasons to qualify that. I've got three reasons why. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll give you my reasons right now. Number one is what the hell is Jimmy Garoppolo still doing here? And don't tell me that it's the backup Brady if he gets hurt. And, you know, that's obviously his his immediate duties for this season's, but Pat's turned down multiple first round draft picks from a team that is perpetually in the dregs of the league, the Cleveland Browns, to hang on to him. And if they were preparing for a couple more years of Brady, then I think the Pats would for sure have flipped Jimmy G for picks or players or both. So I think Jimmy G's presence on the team is an indication of, uh, of what the Patriots have in mind for their future here. Number two, I have never in my life seen a team that just won the Super Bowl retool their lineup and load up for a season the way the Patriots just have. Now, you could look at that as, as a neutral detail, I suppose, in that they're just trying to improve their roster in the offseason, as they always do. But I think the Pats are basically throwing Brady a, a going-away party, and I think that they want to put him in the best possible position to get that sixth ring, to be the only quarterback to do it, and then move on, move on to their chosen successor, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And finally, number three, I think if there were ever an organization and a GM that would have the guts to up and walk away from the greatest quarterback of all time, it's the Patriots and it's Bill Belichick. And I think he's got the perfect mix of confidence, maybe even a little bit of arrogance to make the decision and set up the organization for the future. And if if Jimmy G turns out to be what he projects to be, and I think that's at least a functional NFL quarterback, then I think we might even look back on that decision and say that was, you know, one of the best things that's ever happened to the organization. Now, I recognize that there's a lot of ifs in that in that statement, but um, but I really think that that if anybody's going to do it, it would be it would be the Pats and it would be Bill. So that's it. That's my opening thought. That's how I feel. That's most of the reason why I feel it. Uh, and I know that I'm going to be watching Brady this season, taking it all in, because I don't know how much longer it's going to last. Uh, and so with that, I'm going to bring in Kevin Duffy from MassLive.com to maybe tell me how wrong and stupid I am or potentially even agree with me. What's up, Kevin? What's going on, Craig? Appreciate you having me. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. So uh, let's get you to weigh in on this on this Brady discussion here. What what do you think? You think this is it, or, or what's the deal? Um, you know, I think... You know, when you first when you first said it, I thought, oh, this this is kind of a yeah, know, what a hard no, right? Take. But you make you make good points. Um, I, I see the logic in all three of the things that you said um, pertaining to number one. Why is Garoppolo still here? I mean, it's a great question that you ask, and I think they're really just extending. Like they could have traded him last season, but they're just 
kind of buying themselves extra time. They're just extending, basically punting on the decision between Brady and Garoppolo. Eventually, they're going to have to choose between one of them. And they didn't make that decision this past offseason. They might make it next offseason. Or, I mean, they, the there's a few things that could happen. I mean, you could... You could franchise Garoppolo conceivably and keep him again as a backup, but that would really kill you cap-wise for one year. You could franchise Garoppolo and trade him, which would happen, I think, if Brady at age 40 looks like he did at age 39 and has another season where he's throwing 28 touchdowns and two picks. Or you could potentially transition to him uh, next year as the starter and I think if you're going to keep him as the uh, the backup on the franchise tag in 2018, that, then it's indicating that you're probably going to transition to him as a starter in 2019. So the fact that he's still here to me says that there's a, certainly a chance that Brady is near the end of of his time with the Patriots. And I don't know if, if Brady's going to outright retire in a year or two or if he'll finish his career uh, on a team like the Texans as, as many – you know, many uh, star athletes do. They don't. Not everyone rides into the sunset with one team. In fact, most most people don't. You know. Yeah, exactly. You're talking like Emmett Smith on the Cardinals and uh, Ladanian Tomlinson on the Jets. Even though he was still pretty productive for a couple of years there. I mean, there's uh, there's a long list of of guys, and it remains to be seen whether Brady's going to fall into that category. But I thought you uh, you brought up some pretty good points there. So wait, so so what's your so what's your prediction? Do you think it's the last season or what? No, I don't think it's the last season. Um, but the reason I don't think it's the last season is just because of how good he was last year. It's hard for me to see him declining enough where the Patriots believe that Garoppolo is a better option next year. Um, I think the the choice they they will go to Garoppolo when the gap is pretty close between the two of them. And I mean, even though Garoppolo was like virtually flawless in the six quarters he played, I mean, he's been up and down in the summer. Like he's had some rough moments. So I don't think the gap at the moment is that close. And if the gap remains where it is, they'll probably continue to go with Brady. But once that gap closes and you're talking about a 40 year old QB or a 25 year old QB, you're going to go with the 25 year old. So Brady needs to maintain that distance between him and Garoppolo. All right. So. Uh, and I should have mentioned this earlier, but uh, Kevin just posted an article on MassLive.com with his 17 predictions for the 17-18 season. So uh, we're going to get uh, most of his thoughts on that. And if you have a moment, check that out on MassLive.com. Uh, the next question I have for you, Kevin, is what do you think about uh, the loss of Julian Edelman? Obviously out for the season with an ACL. Um, what do you think the offense is going to look like? Who takes his place? Does anybody take his place? What's the deal there? I don't think anyone can duplicate what he did. Uh, Edelman on third down is basically being Brady's go-to guy for several years. And just the, the way he can, you know, he, he gets open within like a second and a half, which enables Brady to get rid of the ball early, kind of negates the pass rush from the defense. And in, in many ways makes it a lot easier for Brady. Like he's not having to hold onto the ball. He's not having to allow deeper routes to develop because Edelman is open quickly on underneath routes and then what Edelman does is he gets a lot of yards after catch he if he catches the ball over the middle he almost always can instinctively make that first guy miss and gain an extra four or five yards just 
because he has a knack for it. Like he's he's so quick and he just knows he just knows how to evade the first tackler and then he'll dive forward, pick up a few extra yards. And that doesn't sound like much, but that's a big part of the Patriots offense. So I don't know if they have another guy who can do exactly that. Like Amendola can do a little bit of it, but he's really not the, quite the athlete that Edelman is. So I think the production is going to come from guys like Cooks and Hogan, but it's probably going to come in different ways. I think the Patriots basically have to reconfigure the way they play offense a little bit. If you look at what they have, the Cooks, a healthy Gronkowski, and Hogan are your top three receivers. Those guys are all pretty good vertically. And then you add Philip Dorsett, a guy who ran a 4-3-3-40 into the mix. So the Patriots have a different set of they really have different personnel this year than they've had in a long time. And I think the mark of a great coach and a great coordinator is being able to adapt what you do to fit the strengths of the personnel you have. So I believe they're going to have to become a little bit more vertical. They were starting to trend in that direction last year a little bit. Like Chris Hogan played a pretty prominent role vertically. Gronkowski went healthy, averaged 21.6 yards per catch. So you're going to see – more of that, and that's interesting to me because now you're talking about Brady holding onto the ball longer than he normally does. You're talking about the offensive line really needs to protect him to let those routes develop because, you know, as we've talked about, Brady Brady's great and he knows where to go with the ball, but he can't really extend things with his legs. Like, he, he does need protection to be as effective as possible. So there's some variables in there. When you're talking about a vertical offense that necessarily didn't exist in the 2016-2015 offenses, so I mean that's that's the the long that's the uh, long answer I guess. And I, I I should mention also the running backs. I think just throwing to guys like Rex Burkhead and De- and Deion Lewis and James White, they'll probably do a little bit more of that uh, to just have some semblance of a, a short underneath passing game. And I think that they could, in some situations, maybe play two backs at once. Not something they do like often, but maybe 15% of the time play two backs at once and just kind of utilize the different skill sets those guys have. All right, yeah, you mentioned the, the, the Brady back there patting the ball, waiting for someone to get open scenario. And, you know, God forbid he gets croaked back there and then, you know, we might actually end up we might actually end up seeing some Jimmy Garoppolo. Hopefully not, but you know that I think that's one of one of the bigger concerns with the Edelman losses is, is you know who's getting open. It takes a while to get downfield, even if you're fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just alluded to Rex Burkhead, which in, in that article I was referencing earlier, Kevin uh, predicted that Rex Burkhead will lead the team in touches and yards. Uh, and that again, that article is up on MassLive.com right now. Uh, tell me more about Rex Burkhead. What, what do we need to know about this player? So Burkhead is, he's pretty versatile and I think he's, first of all, I think the coaching staff is pretty high on him. Uh, It seems that they really like his, his skill set. He's totally their kind of guy, right? Like that's like a classic Patriot signing off some other team's scrap heap. I mean, it's, it's just like too easy to predict that even watching him in the first preseason game, you're just like, this is just the easiest call ever that this guy's (laughs) a stud for the Patriots because that's just how... That's how it goes. We've seen it, you know, dozens of times. At this yeah, point. and that's not like that's obviously not great logic, but uh, it, it's just so easy to call. I mean, he he runs, I would say, pretty hard and 
bigger than a 210 pound back uh, than you would think a 210 pound back would run. Like he runs pretty tough between the tackles. And we saw that when he got a chance in Cincinnati in week 16 and 17 when Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard were both hurt. And really what struck me about him is he, he catches the ball pretty naturally. He runs routes almost as if he was a receiver. He's pretty, he's just pretty natural, pretty fluid as a route runner. So I think there's just a, several different things they can do with him. And Bill Belichick has talked this offseason or this summer about being a little more unpredictable in the backfield. Like last year, if LeGarrette Blount was in the game, you knew Blount was virtually a, not a threat at all as a receiver. You knew the bowling ball back there. Right. You knew he was going to – he's your running back. And then when James White was in the game – James White hardly got the ball on handoffs. He was going to be a guy who caught the ball. So it was pretty easy for the defense to diagnose at least what that one particular player would be doing. So when you have someone like Burkhead who can, it seems, do both pretty well, and also Deion Lewis has done both pretty well in his time in New England, I think that they're going to be a little bit more unpredictable. Um, you know, I, I My prediction was Burkhead is going to lead the team in touches and yards from scrimmage. I don't mean that he's going to be like a 25 touch a game guy, a 20 touch a game guy. I still think it's going to vary from week to week. Like there is going to be the Mike Gillisley week when Gillisley carries 22 times for 111 yards and two TDs. There's going to be a week when Deion Lewis is the lead guy because maybe they, for whatever reason, think he's a better matchup in that game. And there's probably going to be the week when James White catches nine passes. So I think it's going to be difficult to peg, um, week to week, but Burkhead to me is the one who has the, I guess the uh, most well-rounded skill set. So that's why I'm projecting him to ultimately lead them in touches and yards from scrimmage. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so you mentioned a little bit earlier talking about who, who replaces Edelman, uh, Philip Dorsett, the past just traded Jacoby Brissett to the Colts. Uh, in exchange for Philip Dorsett, and uh, tell us tell us what we need to know about this player. I mean, he's fast. We we all know he's fast, but how does he factor into our uh, into the Patriots' offense? Yeah, he's. I think that's the that's his number one quality. He actually from I you know I've been pretty busy with. I wanted to really watch all of his targets in mm-hmm. the last couple of years in India, and I I haven't gotten around to that. Maybe I'll do that Wednesday or Thursday before the game. But from what I understand, he's got pretty good hands too. So he's a player that I think many people consider to be a reach at 27 overall in the first round when the Colts took him in, in 2015. But he was a top two or three round talent, I think, universally uh, by the draft analysts. So he's, he's clearly a talented guy. And the Patriots flipped Brissett, who apparently wasn't in their future plans right. uh, for him. So I think it was a pretty good value trade for not only the Pats but also for the Colts I think it was just a it was two teams had guys they were looking to get rid of and found a guy that could help them so I think with Dorsett physically he he reminds you a little bit of Brandon Cooks he's just not as polished a player and he's had some he's had some problems with um like soft tissue hamstring injuries just little pulls he's just been from and this is what I understand from the Colts beat writers kind of uh, writing and tweeting about Dorsett after the trade is that he's just been nicked up a lot in in his career. So if the Patriots can get him to stay healthy, and obviously he's got to learn the offense too. So there's 
there's a lot of question marks here, but just adding that speed alongside Cooks, Hogan, Gronk, and you know if Malcolm Mitchell eventually is is all the way healthy. I mean, it's as you said before, they they really did load up, and I think they're they're giving themselves. I mean, to to lose Julian Edelman and still have the firepower to be considered the Super Bowl favorite is just an indication of what they've done this offseason. And adding someone like Dorsett, I mean, you got to see how he pans out, but they're adding even more depth and even more speed that maybe if another injury hits in the receiving core, they still might have enough bodies and enough talent to get by there. So I think that they, to me, that was always the focus of what they were doing this offseason. I think it's why they not only added Cooks, it's why they added two backs in Gillisley and Burkhead and kept Lewis. I think they're really just trying to beef up the numbers because the reality is they were fortunate with injuries last year and really Gronk was only the the only long-term season-ending injury they had. The year before that, they got hit pretty hard with injuries and they just ran out of quality players. Like They were thrown to Keyshawn Martin and Chris Harper and LaFell was kind of banged up and he was handing the ball off to Steven Jackson and Brandon Bolden. So I think that Belichick wanted to make sure if they ran into bad luck with injuries, they still had enough at the skill positions to to have a very potent offense. Yeah, man, they didn't want to spoil the going away party. That's that's all it is. They're just <laughs> making sure they uh, they that secure that right. sick. That could be right. Um, uh, did, if, final thought on the on the Dorset thing. Do we will the Patriots miss Brissett? Do you think that will come back to bite him in any way, shape, or form? No, because the fact that they traded him away for a receiver who's going to be at best your number three this year. I mean, that just tells me that their evaluation on Brissett wasn't good. They just clearly they didn't think he was he had any chance to be a successor to Brady. Because if they did, there's no way you pull the trigger on a trade where you're just getting back. I mean, Dorsett's talented, but you're getting back a number three wide receiver. You don't trade a guy who you think has a chance to become your starting quarterback. So, best case, they were looking at him as as the backup, maybe down the line. And I mean. They probably figure they can dip into next year's draft. Like, say they lose Garoppolo next year, they trade Garoppolo next year, they probably figure they can readdress that position in the draft. So, um, Brissett, he looked great against the Giants and played really well. And that's probably the reason why that trade was even able to happen. But he didn't have a particularly sharp summer. I thought in his limited reps that he received, he was pretty shaky. His, his accuracy, his touch, were a problem he made some bad decisions with the ball in practice he threw picks somewhat frequently so um i guess the the answer is that they just i don't think they really were that thrilled with him because they i mean it was only a second year on the team if they if they saw that there was enough there to build and have him be someone who maybe could become a, a starter in the future they wouldn't have traded him Right, right, right. Yeah, that's that's that was essentially my feeling on it as well. Um, yeah. All right, give me some uh, give me some week one predictions. I also want to hear your week two predictions because uh, I think I yeah. I, th- I feel as if you and I might speak for all of uh, Patriots fandom when we say we predict a, a a trouncing week one. Well, maybe not a trouncing, but a win. Tell me um, about it. I expect I I expect a trouncing. A trouncing. All right, we got him to yeah. nail down the trouncing. The spread is eight. 
And I think they'll yeah. cover with ease. I just, again, this isn't, this is not a like nuanced football analysis I'm about <laughs> to give you, but I mean, you're talking about the Patriots under the lights in the opening game, unveiling the banner from last year, 50,000 drunk fans with Goodell clown shirts. Uh, Roger Goodell's going to be there. It's just, it's hard. And, and I also do consider the opponent, like the Chiefs really just don't have, outside of Tyree Kill and, and like big chunk yardage, they don't have an offense that can really hang with a team that scores a lot. And I just think the Patriots are just going to put up too many points for them. I don't think the Chiefs have the firepower to match them. So I, I really could see it getting somewhat out of hand. The one thing, out of hand? Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs, the, the one thing the Chiefs have going for them is that Alex Smith doesn't turn the ball over. So they're not going to give away, they're not going to give the Pats seven free points like some other teams might do in that situation. But I just, I, I look at the personnel and I, unless the Patriots really struggle replacing Julian Edelman and really don't really haven't figured out early in the season what their offense is going to be. And that's possible. It's possible that they're, they go through a run. A lot of new players, you know? Right. Yeah. There's a lot of new players. You're talking, you're, you're talking about cooks. Um, I don't think Dorsett's going to play a big role in Thursday's game. He just, it's just too soon for him. He honestly, he might not even be active. We'll see. Um, but you're talking about cooks. You're talking about two new running backs. There are some new pieces to integrate, and you lose the guy who was the catalyst for your offense for the past two years. So it's possible that the Patriots have somewhat of an adjustment period um, offensively. But I just, I mean, I look at what they've got out there, and they've just, they got so much speed, so much talent. And I know Edelman was on the field in that opening drive versus the Lions, but that was just, I mean, that was clockwork. The offense, I mean, they, they scored 24 points in a quarter, basically. And I know they had a turnover to help, but I mean, that was unbelievable. So I, I just, long story short, I just don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to hang with them for the entire game. I could see it being a, you know, a two score game, like a 34, 31 to 14 or 31-17. So I don't know if that's a trouncing necessarily, but that's a comfortable win. Comfortable win. All right, so talk to me about week two. Week one, they're going to roll. It's going to be awesome. Week two, <laughs> talk to me. Yeah, week two, I don't know. It's, <laughs> well, I know. That's at, at the Saints. It's at, at the Saints. Saints. The and uh, I think it's just going to be a high-scoring game in general. Um, the, Pat, the Pats D should be, should be better than it was a year ago because they really up, they upgraded their talent. Uh, basically flipping out uh, Logan Ryan for Stephon Gilmore and bringing back Hightower, Butler, Allen Branch, Harmon, all that. Uh, they, they do have some questions uh, in terms of pass rush out, outside of Trey Flowers. So that's going to be important against the Saints because if you're going to let Breeze sit back there all day, even though the Patriots have a good secondary. Right, he can pick you apart. Yeah, he can pick you apart. And I really think the Saints can run the ball pretty effectively. I, I like what they have in the backfield this year. And I think they're, they're more, they're going to become more of a balanced offense than people believe. Like people think of the saints and you think of breeze throwing for 5,500 yards every year. I think that comes down a little bit for them this year and they're going to run it pretty effectively. And a, a lot of it, you know, if the saints were coming to Gillette for week two, I would pick the Patriots to win. It's just, it's just odd how much home field sways the outcome of some of these games. And that's one because it's early in the season, because it's against a 
pretty high-powered offense in a tough place to play. And as I alluded to, I mean, it's I don't know if this will happen or not, but it's possible that the Patriots get off to a start where they're trying to figure things out offensively. Um, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be entirely uncharacteristic for them to have a, a, a stumble in the first four weeks or so of the season. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I just, you know, I'm I'm just making a prediction. I do want to make the, that post, that article, like, kind of fun. You know, it's, oh, yeah, it's no, an, I love it. It's a kind of out there prediction. I don't really hear a lot of people. Yeah, Brady's gone and the, and the Patriots losing week two. Love it. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's just when I looked at the schedule, I was just looking for games that I thought could be uh, deceptively tough. And um, that one jumped out. Week five at Tampa Bay, I thought might be one that's kind of under the radar. But I just don't know if I trust Jameis Winston. Right, right. I mean, they're, they're definitely Tampa's getting a lot of the lot of the off season hype. We'll see how it oh, actually yeah. looks. Tampa's a, yeah, Tampa's getting a ton of hype this off season. And traditionally, you're talking about a road Thursday night game. It's going to be difficult for the away team. But I don't. I ultimately decided that, I, that I'm not going to pick that as one of the Patriots losses. It's just hard to. It's just hard to fear. Hard to fear the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I mean, that's really all I I have on the Saints. I just think. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and it just—I I, can—I'm just envisioning in my head right now, just like what the atmosphere will be like. I'm—I'm I'm sure that it'll be pretty crazy because the Saints wouldn't have bottomed out yet at that point in the year. Um, I don't know. I—I I, I just have a feeling like 34, 31 Saints or something like that. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, you heard it here first or second, as it were. <laughs> um, well, all right, Kev, thank you very much. Uh, again, we've been talking to Kevin Duffy from MassLive.com. You can give him a follow on Twitter. It's at Kevin R. Duffy. Um, and thanks again, man. Appreciate you coming on. All right, Craig. Thank you so much. All right, well, that about does it for the maiden voyage of the Town Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, next week, it's going to be a full squad. Myself, Melissa, we're going to be talking to Mike Dussault from Pat's Propaganda. Give us a follow on Twitter. That's at Cast. We'd love to hear from you, and we will see you next week. Later. Later.